Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Okay. Let's talk, about, let's talk some good stuff. As well. Talked enough no, no, bad no, 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 stuff. No, we'll talk, talk some, some good, good stuff. stuff. Yeah, so, two things uh, to check for, to, to talk about here with the basketball program. Big things that happened yesterday. Dylan DeSue coming back. We all expected that to happen. I mean, it, the closer it got, I'd heard that, you know, it, it looks like it's going to happen. Just don't know when. Don't know when that domino is going to drop. And it turns out yesterday was the last day to put your name in the pool for the NBA draft. So, you saw a lot of either entering the draft or coming back declarations made in college basketball yesterday. So it made sense. But Craig, Dylan DeSue's back. And I just like the fact that towards the end of the season, before you know the foot injury, you can look at the numbers and the production, and that was great. But I just think the confidence he started to play with, he looked the close, He looked the closest thing to the guy we saw at Vanderbilt than he has at any point in his time at Texas was that guy we saw for probably those last – seven or eight games. Even you go back to the regular season, like he, I think people forget because he was so good in the Big 12 tournament and in the NCAA tournament, you forget he had the 24-point game in Waco that kind of started this run, that run he had at the end of the year. So just That's right. Playing with it started com- with that one. Playing with confidence was just so huge for him, I thought. And now you basically, in a, the span of a few hours, if you're Rodney Terry, your front court gets solidified. You get a commitment last night from Caden Shedrick, 6'11", forward out of Virginia, Texas fans, how about that? You got a guy that's 6'11 coming in, so I don't want to hear any complaints about size with the basketball team this year. They got plenty of size. And Craig, quite honestly, maybe two of the better, you maybe the best forward combo in the Big 12. You've got a chance to have that. And you throw Ron Holland into that mix. You know, Brock Cunningham is a veteran presence. Your front court's got a chance to be pretty salty. It's, and it's funny, we're talking about Caden Shedrick and uh, at Horns 24-7, and somebody mentioned, well, his numbers don't look that impressive. And somebody chimed in and said, trust me, averaging 6.2 points a game at Virginia is like averaging 18 anywhere else. So yeah. trust me. Trust me, he can score. And I mentioned this. I wrote this in the story, and I mentioned this last week when we were talking about Caden. The Texas staff really feels like with the tempo they can play with, the speed they can play with, and the style of play that RT likes to use, they can really unlock his game and show off his athleticism, his versatility, his offensive game that's there that he really didn't get to showcase at Virginia. Do you realize, Craig, I looked at two different metrics last night, and it's not surprising. It's just it was more confirmation than revelation. Uh, I looked at Ken Palm, and I looked at Bart Torvik. Bart Torvik ranked 300. Uh, he even ranks the transitioning the transitioning schools that were making the, the D1 transition. Uh, so Bart Torvik ranked 364 Division I schools. Virginia was 360. In adjusted tempo last year, right? And Ken Palm just ranked 360. He took out the four that were transitioning to Division One. Virginia was 360 out of 360 in adjusted tempo last year. So you're going from one of the literally the slowest team in the country to a team that led the Big 12 in scoring last year with that style our team wants to play. So yeah, it's going to be a, a world of difference for him. And then he, I don't know, if, did you catch the? Uh, the dealer camera. Did you catch his little stream, his streaming announcement with Jeff Goodman last night? I didn't watch it. I yeah, saw I, it. I watched it, and uh, it kind of sounded like he was pretty much not that he was knocking Tony Bennett in the Virginia program, but it sounded like he was ready to move on from that style of play. Yeah, and, and get after something. And that's else. a fair. That's a fair statement yeah. to make. Uh, but you, you know, you got him, and with him and Dassault, you've got now you have two bona fide rim protectors. The kind of rim protection that. I don't think Texas has had probably since Shaka's last team when you had Kai Jones and Jericho Sims and guys that could really protect the rim for you. It's been since then that 
you've had this that kind of rim the kind of rim protection you're going to have this year. And what do you get when you get rim protection, Craig? You get block shots. You get transition opportunities. You get opportunities to finish. Caden Cedric was a really good finisher at Virginia. So I, I, I'm just looking forward to seeing what parts of his game this staff can unlock. And now you start looking at this team, and like we joked, I joked in the first hour, yeah, Rodney, Rodney Terry is going to be able to field the team. Like they're going to have enough pieces to do that. Now you look at it, if you get Max Acemus from Oral Roberts, mm-hmm. which everything I've heard to this point suggests that he's he's coming. It just it's just a matter of when he's ready when to it's make, an make announcement. a decision. Yep. I, I would say Texas. I haven't heard anything that would cause me to back off on this. That Texas probably could, should be considered the leader over K State in this recruitment right now. Uh, if he comes now, you've got a, a proven guard. If you get Tyrese Hunter back, that solidifies your backcourt. And then at that point, you're probably one pure guard and then one, you know, wing player. Not necessarily an on-ball guy, but an off-the-ball guy who can maybe give you a little bit of shooting. You're two pieces away from fielding a team that should allow you to compete night in, night out in the Big 12. With Caden Shedrick, with Dylan DeSue coming back, you got Ron Holland coming in. Now you're starting to see this thing take shape. So like I said, let this be a lesson, kids, going forward. Complaining about roster building in early April is akin to complaining about football recruiting in June. It does you no good. Just be patient. Things are going to happen. Things are going to come together at some point. And I think, Craig, for the momentum that Texas has now, maybe now this is what Max Acemus needed to see to, to get him to pull the trigger and, and finish off that decision. Like I said, maybe things change, but I think Texas has every reason to feel good about Max Acemus right now. Uh, here's something else, Gringo. Okay? And, and this wasn't just throwing some, something, uh, as you say, say a lot of garbage and hope some of it sticks. This is something that isn't garbage. If he transfers to Texas, he'll only need 1,107 points to break Pistol Pete's career points record. That's if Texas can somehow play about 55 games. <laughs> That's all. That's all he needs. Something like that with, with all of the stuff that happened. Uh, with How many uh, multi-team Davis, events can you be? <laughs> uh, last year for Detroit Mercy. Yeah. And, and, then, and then they didn't even get invited to the CBI. Which, by the way, uh, on the multi-team events. Yeah. I'm I'm very not not no disrespect to because you know you honored Leon Black and you honored uh, Abe Lemons with the two MTEs you played in each of the last two years, but the fact that now your multi-team event is you're going to New York to play in the Garden and the 2K Classic, I think the fans will dig that schedule much more than they did the previous schedule. Plus, you know, you're going to have the game with LSU mm-hmm. at Toyota Center. Uh, you're going to have the game against Marquette in Milwaukee, which Marquette's going to be a preseason top five, top three team in the country. Yep. Shaka's going to have one of the better teams in the country coming back. It'll be interesting to see who they match up against in, in the Garden. Yeah. Uh, no Big 12 SEC challenge, but you're yeah. just with those handful of non-con games, just with your uh, upping your, your MTE, you're already making your schedule much better. I guarantee you Texas won't be in the 300s in non-conference strength of schedule. No, year. that won't happen. That 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 won't have no matter who they're playing, otherwise yeah. in the non-con. Yeah. Re- remember, remember there was the the trip down to the valley, and that was kind of as a mm-hmm. as a tip of the cap to Longhorn fans. And same thing with the baseball team when they went down there last yeah. year, uh, connecting with the the fan base down there in their Rio Grande Valley. But obviously, that wasn't going to help them in terms of 
you know, their scheduling. That's against Northern Arizona. Against Northern Arizona. It wasn't going to help much. So, you know. And big news in the 2024 class, Liam McNeely, five-star prospect. Now, you'll look at his 24-7 sports profile and you'll say, oh, he's a Florida kid. He's from Montver Academy. No, he's actually a Metroplex kid. Started out at good old J.J. Pierce, Richardson ISD. Mm-hmm. Then spent one season Home at, of uh, Drew Timmy, by the way. Yes. Uh, I believe Bob Ballou is a J.J. Pierce guy also. BK. Uh, yes, Brad, Brad Keller is a J.J. Pierce guy. Uh-huh. Um, started out at Richardson Pierce, then spent one year uh, at John Paul II in Plano. Then he went to – now he's at Montverde. Same same program uh, Dylan Mitchell played for. And, by the way, he's with the Florida Rebels now for the, uh, for the Florida Rebs AAU program. Same AAU program Dylan Mitchell was a part of. Was he one year behind Jalen Tyson at Pope John Paul? Uh, let's see. No, it'd have been multiple years because Jalen Tyson was class of twenty twenty one. One, yeah. And so twenty twenty four. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking back. They to wouldn't when have crossed started. over, right? Because okay. that would have been Liam's freshman year when Tyson was a senior. So right. I think if I'm doing the math right in my head. Gotcha. But at any rate, uh, yeah, Liam McNeely, five star prospect, big time visitor. Uh, you know, Craig, there's always something. And guy, you know, you talk to Lamarcus Aldridge and T.J. Ford. Guys that from the state of Texas that end up going to Texas, there's, mm-hmm. there's, they'll tell you there's something special about Texas kids that wind up playing for Texas and making their mark on the 40 acres. And I think that's, that's something our team and the staff would really like to do, bring Liam McNeely back to the state of Texas. You got a 6'7", 200-pound versatile forward, uh, was playing on the staff, went and saw him. Before his official, the staff went and saw him in Atlanta. He was playing in that Nike EYBL event, the first uh, event for the one and two open weekends they've got in April. So uh, big-time visitor in the 24 class for Rodney Terry and company today. Yeah, Th- that added on to uh, the what we were talking about, the fact that uh, the announcement of Dylan DeSue yesterday, Caden Shedrick making the announcement last night, and what we expect will be the announcement of Max Asmus that he is coming. A gambling Fanatic poses a question, Craig. I don't know if you know the answer to this. So he said, honestly, Jeff, I like the Hawaii tournament. Texas was in the, the Hawaii tournament, the Maui Invitational. They were in that shock as last year. It was just they didn't play it. On the island, they played it in Asheville. Asheville, North Carolina, uh, fanatic. That was uh, because of the, obviously the protocols that happened as a result of the pandemic. That was one of, um, well, that was three because remember they played three games there and they won it. Uh, that was three of the four games that we actually broadcast remotely, weren't on site, and you know, knock on wood that we don't have to do much of that in the future. But I will tell you this, we were, we were fortunate. We really were in that we had very few games uh, that we had to call remotely. You were set up a DKR for that, right? Yep. In the bowels of the stadium down there. And and it is, I mean, it's down in there in that video room and it had a great setup and everything, but obviously, and we all knew this going in, it's just not going to be the same thing. Uh, when you're not there in person. But do you know the rule on MTEs, like how much of a gap there has to be before you can play in another one? Like, let's say you play in the Maui this year. Is four. It, so it's a four? Okay. At least four. So it, it would has be, to be at least four. It would be the Maui in 2025 uh, before Texas could play in it again. Uh, I actually think – well, no. Remember, they played it in November of 20. That's right. Okay, so it would be – Oh, next year they could play. I it. think they are going back there next year. I I, I think uh, it's on on the books that they will be in Maui in twenty four. But w- there were four games 
that we had to uh, brought, uh, do uh, remotely. And we were fortunate because just about everybody in the Big 12 had multiple games. Uh, in the case of Oklahoma State, they did almost every single game remotely, including home games, mm-hmm. including home games. And uh, there were there were several others who did. We were fortunate on that. We didn't go to Asheville because the tournament could not assure us that we'd actually have a place to broadcast from. Yeah. And, and, and by the time they did tell us, it was like two days before the tournament. We'd already made a decision. We're just going to do it from there. And then the one other time that it happened was the makeup game with Iowa State on a Monday, that last week of the regular season in Ames. And that was because Iowa State had to postpone due to protocol issues during right. the year. And so that created a three-game week. It was Monday, Ames, Thursday, Norman. That's right, yeah. yeah. Sunday, Fort Worth. And uh, it was it was going to be difficult to make happen. And so we ended up doing that. And it was uh, it was a 5 o'clock game in the afternoon. And in in Ames, so we do the game remotely, and then I raced over to Dish Falk and called baseball against A and M Corpus. By the way, that evening, Craig mentioned that Texas could play in the Maui next year. Uh, I know we have some listeners that are in contact throughout the day with my wife. Please don't mention anything to her because I don't want to come home saying, "Are we going to Hawaii for oh, Thanksgiving next year?" Oh, you're gonna get that 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 so, kind of grief. Let's from just tap the brakes. <laughs> Make sure you heard, Craig. If Texas is going to play in the Maui, they can do it as early as next year. I don't need to. I don't need to go through a semantics <laughs> argument with my wife later at the house. Uh, but hopes, it so. is ironic that Texas not only did they win the Maui Invitational for the first time, they got to the final for the first time. They never gotten to the final. Mm-hmm. We've done games where they'd lost the first game, wind up playing in that fifth place game. Oh God, the, which the Chaminade year. Yeah, that. Uh, uh, well, that year they wound up playing for seventh because they lost all three. The um, the, the several of the other times they wound up playing for fifth and fifth. Logistically speaking, travel purpose speaking, it's better to play for fifth than to play for third, because third is later in the day and you can't get out and until either late that night or early the next morning, and fifth. You can still catch the flight out and get home. It winds up being a red eye, but you get home. Nice. That that kind of thing. So not only did they win it for the first time, but they play and and they had some good games. The Davidson game was real tight, the first one. Uh yeah. the Indiana game in the semis. Now they blew out Indiana. Uh they like they had a really what I what I was getting to is they had a really good performance of that. And yeah. then of course beating North Carolina in the mm-hmm. final. So yeah. And all that was in Asheville. Uh and and so they they won that one. All right. Not, okay. not a lot, Craig, gets me as excited as seeing high-level basketball in the Lahaina Civic Center right around Thanksgiving. All 2,400 seats of it, part of Feast Week.